Welcome to Cultivating Change, Stories of Regenerative Ag, the podcast from SIBO Technologies that digs deep into the transformative power of regenerative farming programs. I'm your host, Billy Kripe. Let's get started. In this podcast, we discuss the USDA and U.S. federal government programs that support regenerative agriculture. From climate-smart agriculture grants from the USDA to incentives baked into the Inflation Reduction Act, SIBO CEO Daniel Ryan and our experts from A New Climate, Lando Lakes Truterra, and Rabobank discuss the regulatory environment and opportunities for regenerative ag. In this sixth and final part of Breaking Down the Farm Gate, Dan Ryan finishes the conversation with Jamie McKinnon, SVP of Carbon Programs at A New Climate. Jamie Ridgely, Director of Program Development and Carbon Services for Lando Lakes Truterra. And Ryan Findlay, Regional Lead Business Development for Carbon Banking at Rabobank. Let's finish the conversation. How do you see the USDA playing in, in this world? I mean, the USDA today provides more incentive dollars for sustainable practices probably than all the commercial dollars out there by a large order. Um, how do we get these connected, you know, or, or can we get USDA dollars stacked into some of your programs where maybe the amount of incentives aren't the only driving factor, but certainly more is better than less. You know, have, have you done any work there looking at USDA money flowing into this, into the space alongside of programs that you may be deploying? Yeah, I, I can take that one. That's definitely, USDA is a hugely important uh, partner to Truterra and our vision for how we continue to uh, innovate in this space in the future. Um, first and foremost right now for us, it's probably our Climate Smart Award. We're fortunate to be um, a, a large recipient along with a number of other nonprofit partners. Um, and the focus of our uh, dollars there is really on bolstering um, the ability of our retail network to deliver financial assistance and technical assistance and data management services. And so, again, really, again, thinking about scale and then how do we equip our ag retail network to be able to provide these services um, locally and work with them to provide a service business models and develop those um, in their own regions so that they can be continue to, to you know leverage those dollars and add the value that they can bring. Um, so that's a really big deal for us right now and something that we're putting a lot of focus on. Um, the other area for us that we think um, USDA has a large role and that we're excited to be working with them more is in the technical service provider area. So really figuring out how do we scale um, the conservation, that sort of traditional, again, so on water conservation expertise of that agency. How do we um, utilize all the great resources that they have and sort of the, the gold standard that they are in the conservation planning space? Um, utilize that, but really scale it throughout the agronomic um, network that we have with our retail service providers. And so that's something that we'll be looking at doing with them. Um, and then I guess the third piece of that was also how do we leverage the technology and the data management that we're doing so that we can streamline some of those processes with USDA so that if you're participating in a private sector carbon market, it's not a huge jump and a lot of redo of information, if you will, to leverage um, federal dollars. So 
those are some of our focus areas um, for the next 12 to 18 months and beyond. I would just add that more, more from a technical standpoint, uh, the offset protocols from reputable registries uh, certainly do allow for stacking of uh, grant funding uh, with the generation of offsets. And, and if you're using those same standards for scope three, uh, then then by the same token. Uh, they, uh, and, and we certainly uh, uh, knew about a long history of doing projects that are also um, leveraging uh, grant funding to overcome the barriers. And uh, now I think the the question is, uh, these protocols take a, a uh, an approach of using additionality for uh, eligibility and to the extent that USDA moves these, you know, adoption of these uh, of these practices forward, which it's expected to do, that uh, we will reach those thresholds quicker than we otherwise would. Uh, and I think that that's welcome by, by all. Uh, but from that standpoint, uh, I, we're, we're certainly not seeing it as a barrier. We're seeing it very much as, as a lubricant to mitigation and adoption of regenerative practices. Yeah, I would just add that we've had the night since the 1930s, USDA has been engaged in soil and water conservation practices. And I think that's going to continue to go forward. And how do we um, how do we collectively as U.S. agriculture use that to the benefit to help achieve our goals, which is which is what we just said. And I, I mean, maybe to use a really poor analogy, but if anybody has watched Little League tryouts or Little League on the first day, you have a couple hundred kids running around a baseball diamond trying to figure out how to throw a ball, catch a ball, hit a ball, where to play, how to do the how to play the game of baseball. And to a degree, I feel like that's where we are. And uh, as the industry, we have USDA in one corner, we have private registries in another, we have a number of, of institutional agricultural players that are trying to say, hey, how do we put all of this together? And in in the coming years, it will look more like a baseball game. We'll have an idea of what the rules are. We'll have an idea of who plays what position. We'll actually be able to throw and catch a little bit better. So we're going through a little bit of a little bit of chaos right now, but I think all of that is it's well intentioned. It's going the right direction. I think we'll have a ball game here in, in the next couple of years. Got to take that analogy further. We we probably need a pitch clock on this one too to get just moving along <laughs> a little more quickly. Yeah. Um, which has certainly worked. Hey, I want to thank you guys um, so much for joining today. I learned something more every time I speak with any of you, and, and I, I'm sure other people will really respect the thoughts you shared today. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for allowing us to be on. Thank you, guys. That was great. Thank you for joining us on another inspiring episode of Cultivating Change, Stories of Regenerative Ag. We hope you found today's conversation enlightening and empowering. Remember, regenerative agriculture is not just about cultivating the land. It's about cultivating change. Each one of us has a role to play in restoring the health of our ecosystems and building a more sustainable world. If you enjoyed this episode and want to stay connected, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and any questions you might have. Until next time, keep sowing the seeds of resilience, nurturing our planet, and embracing regenerative practices. Together, we can create a greener, healthier future. This has been Cultivating Change, Stories of Regenerative Act. I'm your host, Billy Crichton. See you next time.
In this podcast, we discuss the USDA and U.S. federal government programs that support regenerative agriculture. From climate-smart agriculture grants from the USDA to incentives baked into the Inflation Reduction Act, SIBO CEO Daniel Ryan and our experts from A New Climate, Lando Lakes Truterra, and Rabobank discuss the regulatory environment and opportunities for regenerative ag. In this sixth and final part of Breaking Down the Farm Gate, Dan Ryan finishes the conversation with Jamie McKinnon, SVP of Carbon Programs at A New Climate. Jamie Ridgely, Director of Program Development and Carbon Services for Lando Lakes Truterra. And Ryan Findlay, Regional Lead Business Development for Carbon Banking at Robobank. Let's finish the conversation. 